Hey, what's up? Welcome back, everybody. It's Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. Thursday, December 13th, 2018. That is the date today. Less than two full weeks from Christmas. I cannot wait. Christmas is fantastic. I did a Thanksgiving special because obviously the show is every Thursday. Thanksgiving's on a Thursday. There will not be a, a Christmas special, I guess. I mean, there's Christmas is on a Tuesday. Uh, I'm not going to move my podcast up two days uh, just to do it on Christmas. Uh, Christmas. We, I, I had better things to do. I got, I got big plans that day. So, um, and my plans involved just, I mean, um, you know, hunting down Santa Claus as I do every year, every year I've been foiled every year in, in my attempts to hunt down, uh, Santa Claus. I haven't caught him yet, but this, this is the year I, I'm feeling it. This is the year where I'm going to catch him. I'm going to get him. Um, and I'm going to turn him in because he breaks into people's homes. I don't care if you would you, if you take or you leave things, he, he is a burglar is what he is. I mean, he breaks into people's homes. I'm going to catch him. I, I give you my word. I'm going to catch Santa this year. So with that <laughs> crowd noise episode, there will be an episode come Christmas week. You don't have to worry about that. You weren't worrying about it, but in case you were, you weren't. But just so you know, there will be a Christmas week episode, not really a Christmas special, I guess. But um, yeah, so look forward to that. A regular, it's going to be a regular uh, work week for me. We got some NFL, some really good NFL games this week. Um, not a lot of good games, but the games that are, uh, that we're picking, they're really good. So we'll be doing that. Uh, every, everyone this week, last week has been talking about uh, the college football playoff, but not in the context uh, that I would appreciate. I love the college football playoff. I love college football. I love college sports. I mean, really, basketball is fantastic. I watch college World Series. It's great. But people are really talking about uh, college football playoff in the context that really irritates me. It's just getting me really mad. I cannot stay silent on that anymore. We're going to talk about that later in the show. Uh, and then the quote of the week. We got a great quote of the week. You've probably already heard it, but uh, we're going we're gonna to go over that. It's going to be great. A really good one. It's not as good as last week's. Last week was all time. I mean, goat quote of the week. Last week's was, was fantastic. Uh, oh, and this week, I almost forgot to mention. This is, uh, I'm not doing a great job. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor, the quickest and easiest way to start your very own podcast, like the one you're listening to right now. We're going to hear uh, more from them later on in the show. So with that, let's go ahead and get into our NFL picks this week, starting with tonight. Tonight is just the best of the weekend, but there's not a big drop-off. Like, the games on Sunday um, aren't terrible. They're great. I mean, the games on Sunday are great. They're not as good as tonight, but there's not a huge drop-off. They will be um, great games to watch and enjoy. It's the Chargers and the Chiefs, a uh, potential game of the year uh, candidate. Can I, and I can't emphasize candidate enough because everyone knows the game of the year was the Chiefs and the Rams. That game was just nuts. It felt like a playoff game in the regular season. It was great. It was fun. Um, and we get to see those teams going forward too. There's also that in the playoffs, it's being single elimination, which I like. I'm not saying they should change that, but once once they lose, they're gone. You don't get to see them again. There's not a like in a series. You have a bad game. Well, let's get a next game. We'll, we'll make some improvements or whatever. Um, in the playoffs, obviously you're gone in the NFL. Uh, that was not the case though in the regular season. So um, we get the Chiefs and the Chargers tonight in Arrowhead Stadium, which I think will play a big factor as it normally does. Uh, Arrowhead is one of the uh, best home field advantages in all the NFL. I'd say it's Foxborough. Philly, uh, Lincoln Financial Field, Lambeau Field, and Arrowhead. Those are probably the four best home field, the best home stadiums uh, to play in in all of the NFL. I don't think I'm missing 
uh, another one. I, don't, I mean, every obviously it helps to play at home, but I'm talking about real home field event, places you just don't want to go. I mean, when you're looking at the seating, you just don't want to see your team on the road to any of those four stadiums. I don't think I'm missing. I mean, I guess, I guess, I think it's called Sports Authority Field. The Broncos home stadium, Sports Authority Field. I guess because of the altitude, there's that. I mean, it does get pretty loud in there, but I don't, I wouldn't put them up there with like Philly or Boston fans. I mean, I mean, no disrespect to anyone in Denver, but I mean, Philly and Boston and then New York, but I mean, MetLife isn't really known as like a legendary stadium. Uh, those, those fans are in a, in a class all by themselves. I mean, I, I think that's it. I really think those are the only four stadiums that if you're playing at home, you're almost guaranteed to win. I mean, you could play bad and win at home in, in those stadiums. So uh, Arrowhead being one of those four. Patrick Mahomes this year, he's been fantastic. He's been my favorite player of the year. He should, he should win MVP. Absolutely, in my mind, he needs to win MVP. Not Drew Brees. Drew Brees is great, but, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been even better. Last week, Patrick Mahomes had another nuts game. He threw a, a no-look pass uh, against the Ravens. He threw a, a, a pass like 40 yards downfield across his body, running, on, running uh, to the sidelines on fourth down. Uh, against the Ravens that was just to keep the drive alive and they ended up scoring on that drive sending it in overtime and uh, winning that game and Drew Brees had 100 yards he had like 100 yards and like two touchdowns in that game or whatever and Drew Brees that's not the first time I'm not taking away from Drew Brees because he had one uh, maybe not awesome statistical game but it's I think he's got more he's got four games okay let me get my bearings he's got more 100 yard games than Patrick Mahomes has Less than 300-yard games. I don't know if that made sense to you or not. So Drew Brees basically has thrown for 100 yards more often than Patrick Mahomes has thrown for less than 300. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. And with all those compliments, I have to say, this one really hurts me to say, but I have to be, I don't know, I'm biased, but I got to be fair. In the two other primetime, the night games, national TV that the Chiefs have played in, uh, the Chiefs have lost. And even though I felt both of those times that they were the better team uh, in, in those losses. But they lost those two games, that being the Patriots and the Rams. And Patrick Mahomes, he was still threw a lot of touchdowns at a boatload of passing yards. But he threw a lot of picks. I mean, I don't think it's a, a huge deal. It's going to come back. Oh, I wouldn't pick the Chiefs in the playoffs because Patrick Mahomes turns the ball over too much. He's not Blake Bortles. I mean, he's going to turn the ball over, but he's not going to cost you the game. Um, he had two interceptions against the Patriots. They lost that game. Then against the Rams, that spectacular... Uh, Game of the year we were talking about earlier. Uh, he had three picks and two fumbles. So two, excuse me, five total turnovers did Patrick Mahomes have. They ended up losing that game. And a re- the ugliest one uh, was the last one, which effectively, not effectively, it did. It decided the game, his last interception uh, against the Rams in the Coliseum. Uh, that did it. That, that's what, that's what uh, sealed that loss for the Chiefs. So ironically, as great as Patrick Mahomes has been, I guess you can make this case if you're, if you're pro Drew Brees. As great as he's been in the two biggest games of the season so far, Patrick Mahomes has kind of turned the ball over. And, um, you know, I don't know if we can really blame him for losing those games because the Chiefs have always been in. I mean, they haven't lost a game and gotten blown out. Every single game, if it's close, I mean, every loss, the only two losses they have, they've been in it. They haven't been blown out in either of those losses. It wasn't an ugly game for Patrick Mahomes. It just wasn't a a clean game, just a perfect game, no turnovers, uh, which he's more than capable of doing. And he's playing a real defense this week. The Chargers are no joke. They bring back uh, Joey Bosa. I've been calling him Nick Bosa lately because of his brother and everyone's talking about him. 
Uh, obviously, with the draft coming up, I've been confusing those two, so I'm glad I said Joey. Uh, Joey Bosa and then Derwin James. I mean, my goodness, how, do, how the heck did he fall to the Chargers? Was that 17 or 18? I mean, mid-first-round pick. Derwin James looks fantastic. He's, he's the new-age Ronnie Lott, and yes, I dared to say that name. He's been fantastic. Him and Leighton Van Der Esch have been by far the best uh, defensive rookies. They should win. Does the NFL do rookies of the year for both conferences, or is it just the league-wide? I think they do AFC and NFC. Uh, just No matter what the case is, those should be one and two um, in the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, voting if it's one if it's one rookie for the entire league I would give it to Derwin James because he's been fantastic uh Leighton Van Der Esch a slight second I mean they're they're both neck and neck but I would give it to Derwin James uh Leighton Van Der Esch maybe plays in uh I don't know their defenses are pretty similar the Cowboys and the Chargers I guess I would say the Cowboys are a little bit better because they have a better uh defensive line Demarcus Lawrence Antoine Woods I mean they've just been ripping offensive lines to shreds and uh, we are going to get to those guys uh, in a little bit, just you wait. Uh, but Derwin James has been fantastic. I mean, he's he's been great. You com- uh, combine that with uh, Joey Bosa. I said Joey again. That's two from two for two. They've just been great. The Chargers have been great. So Patrick Mahomes really, uh, he's going to have his hands full. I mean, he's just coming off of the Ravens, who I think as a whole may be a better unit than uh, the Chargers. They've given up less points than the Chargers. Uh, so back-to-back pretty tough games for Patrick Mahomes. Um, and the Chargers... Even though they have a great defense, they're playing Patrick Mahomes. The Ravens actually were they were able to keep a lid on Patrick Mahomes for as long as they could. Um, they, once they went into overtime, that game was over. I mean, th- there was no way they were going to win in Arrowhead in overtime after blowing a lead. I mean, that, that game was over. Um, but they're not going to be able to completely shut down Patrick Mahomes. Um, and the Ravens weren't even able to. I don't think any defense in the NFL, and that includes the Bears. I mean, I would honestly say... Even if the Chiefs were to play the Bears after seeing what the Bears did to the Rams, I think I would still give the edge to the Chiefs. That's how great Patrick Mahomes is. He's better than uh, Jared Goff, obviously. Uh, they lose Kareem Hunt. I don't know. That'd be a really interesting. That'd be a great game to see the Bears and the Chiefs. So uh, they schedule makers or whoever's in charge of the schedule's got to uh, get on top of that for next season. But where was I going with that? I always do this. I get myself uh, sidetracked. Oh yes, uh, the Chargers are going to have to score with the Chiefs because they're not going to be able to keep them down for. They might get a few drives, a turnover. Patrick Mahomes is going to turn the ball over in this game. It's going to happen. Um, It's going to happen. He's going to turn the ball over. I don't think it's a big deal, but he's going to turn the ball over. So the the Chargers will have opportunities to score, and they're going to need to, but they will be without their top two running backs. Melvin Gordon is listed as a a questionable game-time decision, even though it's uh, leaning towards he's not going to play. Uh, His immediate backup, Austin Eckler, is out. He is out. I mean, he's, he's not going to play um, with a neck injury and a concussion uh, coming off of a Sunday game, playing Thursday. It's pretty tough if you get hurt in those games. Uh, you're basically looking at a two-day turnaround uh, to get ready to play on Thursday. So he is out. Looks like Justin Jackson, rookie from Northwestern, is going to be taking over uh, for Melvin Gordon. Even if Melvin Gordon starts, he's really going to be splitting carries with Justin Jackson because you don't know how... Um, you don't know how much of a workload uh, Melvin Gordon's going to have. He's only been out two weeks, and the uh, injury timeline for an MCL sprain, which is what Melvin Gordon has, is usually two to four weeks, um, leaning closer to three or four weeks. And this would only be the second week um, that Melvin Gordon has been out. So it's a, that's a pretty short timeline for Melvin Gordon to come back. I don't think he'll play, but it's as of right now, 4 o'clock, it's, it's still uh, up in the air. No one, uh, no one knows other than Melvin Gordon and... Uh, I don't think that maybe even Melvin Gordon doesn't know. So we'll we'll see about that. I do think that's going to come in uh, 
come into play. I've either though, uh, even though the Chiefs' rushing defense, well, the Chiefs' defense, uh, rushing defense specifically is not very good. So I think Justin Jackson won't be um, too big of a drop off from Melvin Gordon. I mean, obviously Melvin Gordon's one of the top five running backs in the league, but uh, Justin Jackson should have a um, more than serviceable day should he get the start. Uh, Chargers are not missing, however, Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams or Philip Rivers. So that is good because if they need to throw the ball, they're going to have all their weapons at their disposal. It's just hard for me to pick against the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Like I said, they're just one of they're one of the best uh, home field advantages in all of the NFL. Uh, and with Tyreek Hill is also going to play, so they're going to be fully ready to go uh, on offense. Obviously, outside of running back, and they really are hurting at running back because Spencer Ware is out. He is not playing, so Damian Williams is going to be the starting running back. For the Chiefs, the Chiefs don't really. I mean, they utilize their running backs as like a sec, like a slot receiver. I mean, they're they're not a they're not the Cowboys, you know, ground and pound power eye football. So I don't think that um, will weigh too heavy on the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one, 37 to 35. I think they'll have another miraculous uh, game winning drive a- at home by Patrick Mahomes. He's going to turn the ball over. I I really think the the Chargers are going to take the lead late. Uh, there's going to be like two and a half minutes left or a minute and a half where we're going to really see. Patrick Mahomes solidify himself as the MVP and clinch the number one seed home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which is a scary sight if you are a Patriots fan. Moving on, speaking of those Patriots, the Patriots are playing the Steelers this week. A great uh, traditional AFC game, one that we've all come to love. I can almost guarantee there will be no drama and no controversy in that game. If you can't, if you haven't been able to tell already, yes, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, need I remind you of the Jesse James game? I don't. Let's not even get into it. I'm sick of hearing about it, and I'm sure you're even more sick of hearing about it. So that's all I'm going to say about this matchup. As far as I mean, nonsense. I mean, let's talk about the football because there's going to be there's always nonsense when the Steelers are involved, uh, which is a really strange uh, sentence to say because when you think about the Steelers, you think about you know you know, the blue and black leagues, the AFC, um, or no, excuse me, the AFL. I mean, you're going way back curtain. I mean, steel curtain legends. I mean, like a legendary program. You're talking about the Steelers, the Packers. I mean, you throw the Cowboys in there as, as much as, as terrible as they've been over the past 20 years, but there are a legendary franchise and the Steelers are kind of in that nonsense back, uh, basket now, uh, with the Cowboys. Um, because under the Mike Tomlin, in the Mike Tomlin era, it's just for what he's just, he's the anti Patriots. This game is so interesting for a, for a bunch of narratives. That's minus one point. A bunch of narratives other than football. This game is interesting, because, I mean, for a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with football. The Steelers, and specifically Mike Tomlin, are the anti Patriots. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The Patriots, you hear people say there's no fun there. I mean, there's so much discipline. There's no fun there. There's just no fun. You don't ever hear a peep out of their locker room. I mean, the only the only kind of nonsense you heard there was the Malcolm but- Malcolm Butler situation, and he was shipped off to Tennessee. He's not even on the team anymore, and that's when you really started to hear uh, Malcolm Butler in the media. So there's no really good quotes. You're not going to hear any quote of the weeks from many Patriots. Um, there's discipline-oriented, uh, discipline-focused uh, football team under Bill Belichick. Apparently, they don't have any fun, but they win a bunch of Super Bowls. And the Steelers are the exact opposite. I mean, you hear Antonio Brown, obviously, the media every single day. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, is always chatty, chatty, chatty. Uh, Upside-down tweets, what is that about? I mean, just tweet at the right. I mean, just 
Why do I have to flip my phone for you? This is ridiculous. Ben Roethlisberger is always popping off at the media. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, just bogus, ridiculous nonsense going on in the media. But they love Mike Tomlin. They have a bunch of fun over there at the Steelers. But how many Super Bowls have the Steelers won in the past 20 years? Two? I mean, they beat the, they beat the Seahawks. Was that, one? that one was in Detroit. Was that the uh, Jerome Bettis game? And then uh, shout out to Santonio Holmes. They beat the Cardinals off of what was one of the greatest Super Bowl catches of all time. If not for that, they lose that one. And then they lose to the Packers uh, in the Super Bowl, um, which they were heavily favored also. So they've only won one Super Bowl in the Mike Tomlin era. They've been to two. And the year, they, they got embarrassed at home by the Jaguars last year. How do you give up 48 points to Blake Bortles at home? Unbelievable. And don't tell me, well, the Jacksonville defense, Saxonville, baby, they were shutting them down. The Steelers scored 45 points in that game. It was a 40 to 40 point game. It was ridiculous. The Steelers are the exact opposite of the Patriots in, in every single way. Off the, and on the field, too, I was going to say off the field, but on the field, they are complete opposites. The Patriots, I mean, they recycled players, I mean, left and right. You can't name like five players on their roster other than Tom Brady. And Rob Gronkowski, everyone else, you've never heard of him before. And on the, pay, the Steelers, excuse me, they're loaded with stars up and down the field. Le'Veon Bell, obviously he's gone. Um, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Vance McDonald, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you go up and down the line. They got studs on offense, but they, man, they get a lot of penalties. Is it any coincidence to you that under the Bill Belichick or in the Bill Belichick era, the Patriots are first in the league in penalty yardage or dead last, depending on how however you want to look at that. Meaning they get the le- they have the least amount of penalties in the league since Bill Belichick has taken over. They've been the first. They've been first in the league in penalty yardage. The Steelers uh, in the bottom half of the league. I don't think uh, under Mike Tomlin. I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, when you don't have any discipline, there's no. I understand that pros are different than amateurs. I mean, I say amateurs referring to college players. I don't like to refer to them. Uh, that way, but for lack of a bad, lack of a better word, amateurs. But I mean, you have to have some. You have to be able to draw the line at some point. Why does Bill Belichick have five Super Bowls, and you never hear anything from any kind of media distractions from his locker room? It's not a coincidence. I mean, it's the Steelers and the Patriots are the exact opposites uh, of the spectrum. They're both good teams. I mean, the Steelers are not a. Uh, they're not a bad team, even though they've been playing like it. And again, going back, this just proves my point. Even more, why are they on this? Was it four or five game skid now? I mean, they've been playing in all three or four of these games. They've been ahead. They've led in every single one of these games, and yet they've lost. They're on this horrible losing streak in which uh, the Ravens, they're lucky that Patrick Mahomes showed up and saved them and beat the Ravens because otherwise they'd be looking up at Baltimore. And it looks like my NFC North uh, preseason prediction is really starting to come into fruition. Um, Sorry, computer went out there. Lost my... uh, notes i don't read i don't read word for word i just have stats here um so let's start talking about football i mean we've been talking about the on the identities of these teams but i do think it's going to play a factor in this game i do think because of their personalities and because of their identities uh, in the locker room and on the field it's going to dictate the outcome of this game i'm going to take the patriots in this game but I do think the Steelers will have a sizable lead going into halftime. I think they'll be up by 14, 17 points going into halftime. And ultimately, they will become undisciplined. They'll start playing too loose. They'll have too much fun. A bunch of dumb penalties here. What, what are you doing there? False start. I mean, on a first down, first play of the drive, it's going to take a toll on them. I'm taking the Patriots in this one, 31-28. to 28. 
I do think that the Patriots' discipline, and I, I hate saying this. It sounds boring to say discipline, but you know what isn't boring? Winning. And that's what people were talking about when people were, I mean, the Eagles last year, oh, the Patriots don't have any fun. They don't, I'd rather lose and have fun than win. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in sports. That should have been, if I had my show going back then, that would have been the quote of the year. I mean, not the quote of the week, the quote of the year. You'd rather lose and have fun. Is that even possible? Is losing fun? I mean, the Patriots, I'll tell you what's fun. Those parades that they have uh, going down in Boston at the end of every February, that's fun. I'll tell you that. Um, The Patriots in this one, 31-28. And the last game that we are picking this week, maybe the most frustrating game for me, the Cowboys... And the Colts. Cowboys! They've become the new LSU Tigers. They've become the LSU Tigers of the NFL. I cannot get a read on these guys. I cannot get a handle. They're a good team on paper. And this is why I can't get a handle of them. Because I know them better than just about everyone. And what I mean by that is, to everyone else, they're a great football team. They play tremendous defense. That they do. I will not take away uh, from that. Their defense is fantastic. Said earlier, Leighton Van Der Esch couldn't... Can't say enough good things about that guy. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is fantastic. Uh, Xavier Woods, Byron Jones. I mean, I can go down the line. I mean, they're 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 great. Uh, Jordan Lewis. He's he's uh, offense and defense now, uh, specifically a cornerback. But they'll put him in uh, as a slot receiver. Is kind of not really a wildcat, but they'll use him as a gadget guy on offense every now and again. But the reason I say I can't trust them and that I know them better than everyone else is because they they do this. Uh, I live in an area. <laughs> Where I, they are the local broadcast team. So I've seen the Cowboys now for uh, all of 10 years straight. They've, always, they've been on every single week uh, on TV. They do this about, about right now. It's, what are we in mid-December? This is about the time when they start to implode. And I went all in on them, or I guess all in against them. Uh, last week, I was all in on the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, I forgot his name. I've never even heard of that guy. He's a captain on the team, but I really have, honestly, I've never even heard of him. Uh, saying that the Cowboys' history, they always choke. And I think that kind of the Cowboys, obviously, they didn't like it because, uh, you know, the saying, the truth hurts, right? Um, and they almost did. Let me tell you something. The Cowboys, they won last week. It was a fun game to watch, especially in the second half. But they sure did want to choke. If you watch that game, there were multiple instances where you were saying, here it is. Here we go. This is where the Cowboys' season crumbles right here. It was at Dak. Oh, my goodness. He was nauseatingly. Uh, inaccurate with the football. I mean, just throwing guys like three, four yards uh, outside of their their catch radius. Uh, hashtag analytics. Uh, just terrible throws from Dak Prescott. Zeke Elliott, you know what you're getting from him. He wore down the defense in the first half, and uh, Amari Cooper was able to take advantage of that uh, in the second half. Footnote: uh, Thank you, Amari Cooper. I almost sat him. I almost sat him uh, in fantasy last week. Uh, thank the stars I didn't do that because he gave me all of 58 points in uh, fantasy. A playoff deciding game for me. I nearly missed the playoffs this year. Uh, shout out to Amari Cooper if you're listening. Uh, thank you, man. I owe you a, a gift basket. I'll send you some some muffins or something like that. But back to the game. The Cowboys very nearly uh, decided. They, there was moments where they looked like here it comes. They where it looked like uh, they wanted to choke. They didn't be their defense. Kind of give up some big plays. There was some really oh man. There were some bad calls in that game. I hate bringing in the refs, but there were bad calls and then. Uh, make-up calls for those bad calls, which make them even worse. Uh, but they won. They won the game. But now they play another good team this week, a very good team this week, who is fighting for playoff contention, the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck, who's one of my favorite teams this year. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. 
They're probably, even they make the playoffs, they're not going to win in the first round. But I do like the Colts. I like what they've been doing. they got a great defense, a vastly improved offensive line. Uh, obviously, Andrew Luck is vastly improved. Definitely the most uh, comeback player of the year. Is it the NBA's most improved player and the NFL's comeback player of the year? Andrew Luck should win that. Uh, running away, uh, I think MVP, not this year, uh, next year, uh, Andrew Luck, 2019 MVP. And these teams are really similar if you look at them. I mean, they both have good defenses, but I'd give the advantage to Dallas. Uh, I don't know how uh, Indianapolis isn't really that. They're more of a pass-first team, and they should be because they have Andrew Luck. So obviously, uh, running uh, the running game heavily favored uh, to Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. But the quarterbacks are maybe even more lopsided than the running backs, but this time in favor of the Colts because Andrew Luck to Dak Prescott is... Oh, good Lord. I mean, I don't even, they can't even compare the two. I mean, Andrew Luck, he, he's the best. He's, he's fantastic. The Cowboys are the better team right now. And if you ask anyone, they'd probably say the Cowboys are the better team, but they're more likely to lose just because they've been winning so much. Um, but I know the Cowboys. I'm still not trusting them. They are, but they are the better team. They are, they are the better team than the Colts. There's no arguing that. They were the better team uh, than the Eagles last week, and I still didn't pick them. I really didn't pick them last week. I, I mean... It was an overtime game. Like they didn't run away. They didn't beat down the Colts. They barely won that game off of a tip uh, deflection that just happened uh, to fall in Amari Cooper's hands. Uh, a one touchdown that I was uh, very thankful for. But nonetheless, it was sort of a fluke. Not the, not the win, but that play was. It was a fluky play. I am tentatively taking the Cowboys this week because everything that I've listed, the Cowboys are pretty much better outside of quarterback. Um, but the Cowboys defense. Even though the Colts' offensive line is much improved and maybe like top five in all of football, the Dallas Cowboys' offense—I mean, excuse me—defensive line has been tormenting offensive lines all year long. They just—they ripped the Saints to shreds. I mean, the Saints had the best offensive line in football, and they couldn't—they couldn't slow down Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith and, and Antoine Woods. I mean, it's going to be a big problem. I think it will affect uh, Andrew Luck enough to, keep, to play the Cowboys' games. They like to keep it low. They like to keep it slow. Uh, the Cowboys will win this one. What's my score here? Uh, where's my score? Now I can't find. I know I put down a score here. Uh, what the heck? Where is my score? Okay, uh, I guess I. I guess I don't have it. But the Cowboys will win. Let's say nineteen to ten. It was a high-scoring game last week because I mean, man, they were just going back and forth. The Eagles and the Cowboys last week uh, in the fourth quarter. Then you have another touchdown uh, in overtime. It, but the Cowboys do not score games. If you watch that whole game, it was nine to nothing in the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden, what was the final score last week? Like 38, 30 something. Like it was nine to nothing in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden it just, boom, it clicked. They exploded. So I think this week uh, that won't happen. I don't think both teams will score 30 points in the fourth quarter. And on, I'll take the Cowboys 19 to 10. Now it's ad time. Okay. So every year, it seems like in all sports, all leagues, any level. In between the regular season and the postseason, and in this case, in bowl season, people start trying to entertain themselves. They, they try making stories that aren't really stories, and they make them into uh, front-page news, head, headline news. It's a big... They start making debates. Any quote you hear from uh, anybody can be a, a, a nothing story. Like in the NBA right now, they're kind of in one of those moments, even though they're in the regular season. Uh, Steph Curry said the moon landing was fake, and uh, that was on CNN. Come on. I mean, what are we talking about? He's a joke quote. Even if he was serious, who cares? I, mean, who, I don't care if Steph Curry thinks the moon landing was fake or if 
I mean, the earth is flat. I don't care. I mean, that's not a story. And the latest one of those non-stories is uh, in college football. And the big question that I've seen in the past week, week and a half, uh, since the regular season has ended, people are getting bored. They're waiting for bowl season uh, to start. And even that's boring. I mean, the first two weeks of bowl season are terrible. You see teams like North Carolina, North Carolina A&T against uh, Missouri Valley Dance and Technical School. So uh, people are bored. They're, they're trying to make some, make some news out of college football. Uh, the recruiting season hasn't even kicked in a full swing yet. So people are trying to make uh, news in college football out of nothing. And the big news that they're making, uh, quote-unquote news, is that the college football playoff is broken. It needs to expand to eight teams. The four teams is not enough. It's broken. We have an unjust system. And I'm just, college football this year has been incredibly frustrating for me. Because if you've been listening since day one, um, college football has really been, really been against me. I mean, I said Ohio State deserves to be in the college football playoff. The committee did not agree. They put in Oklahoma. I think it was a mistake. I've been with Tua Tokobailoa all season long. Heisman Trophy winner. It shouldn't even be a competition. And Kyler Murray won the thing. It's unbelievable. College football has really made it a point to frustrate and irritate me this year. And quite frankly, I've had enough. That's why we're having this segment today because I need to take a stand in at least one thing. I need to be right in at least one thing. And this is the one thing that I, I mean, I thought it was Tua Tokobailoa. Apparently, I was wrong on that, too. Actually, I wasn't wrong. I mean, sometimes people just make the wrong decision. Not me. Whoever handed out the Heisman Trophy, that was, that was who made a mistake, not me. Um, and I'm going to be proved right with that. I mean, Oklahoma is just going to get run out of the building in the, in the playoff. I mean, I can't, I can't wait for that game because everyone who's on Twitter, Kyler Murray, back-to-back, Oklahoma, get ready. Get ready for Alabama because, that's just, oh, it's going to be a shellacking. But back to the point at hand everyone is saying the college football playoff needs to expand needs to double itself uh into eight teams and in that case uh if that were to happen this year this is what the college football playoff would look like number one alabama against number eight washington that's an awful game number two clemson against number seven ucf another terrible game uh notre dame ohio state at three and six i guess so i mean i i did say ohio state deserved to be in there but that should just be a playoff game uh anyway and the last one, number four, Oklahoma, and number five, Georgia. Now, do any of those games in particular really jump out at you? Like, this game needs to happen. All these teams need to be in here. I said Ohio State needed to be in the playoff, and I stand by that. But I'm not ripping my hair out. I mean, they had that ugly Purdue loss. It's not, I disagree, but I'm not up in arms. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't live in Columbus, so there's, there's that. None of those games particularly jump out at you. And none of the teams that aren't already in the playoff just jump out like they absolutely got snubbed. They just they were robbed. They need to be in the play. Like none of those teams. Ohio State, they had a bad loss. Okay, I disagree, but fine. Uh, Georgia, they have two losses. They got beat by Alabama. If you put them in the playoff, who are they going to play in the first round? Alabama. Like why would you have the same schools play each other back-to-back uh, games? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So that would, no, I don't agree with that. UCF, get, get out of here with that. There's, it's not happening. Uh, and then that's it. That's it. All those other teams, the four teams are already in the playoffs. So in this year's format, the way it would work is, um, well, the way the, this eight-team playoff would work is you get Power 5 champions being, I don't, I'll just say it for you because I love you guys, SEC, ACC, uh, Big 12, Pac-12, and the Big 10. Those are the Power 5 conferences. That being uh, this year, was it Washington, Alabama? Uh, I was going to say USC for whatever reason. Washington, Alabama, 
Clemson, uh, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So those teams are pretty much already all in there, except for Ohio State um, in the four-team playoff. Excuse me. And then you'd have the best group of five uh, team, in this case UCF, and then two at-large teams, which in this scenario would be uh, Georgia being the SEC loser, and then Notre Dame actually an at-large team because they don't have a conference. So, uh, yeah, there's that. They'd actually be an at-large team, which, again, is unfair because Notre Dame is absolutely one of the three best teams in the country, and you're telling me they get in as an at-large, like as a wild card? How is, that's not even fair. So if, you, if you're if you a Notre Dame or if you're a team that you have a one, let's say Georgia had one loss all year, Georgia and Alabama were undefeated all year long, and they met in SEC championship, and then Georgia lost obviously in the SEC championship to, to Alabama being one lost team, they only get in as an at-large. Let me, in fact, this isn't even the point I'm trying to make. I have a whole, whole list of reasons why this would be a dumb idea. Number one being UCF. Not every single year is the group of five team even going to be relevant to the last group of five team to make a New Year's Six Bowl game, which is what would replace or what would uh, be the new playoff game in the 18th playoff, 18 playoff format, was Western Michigan. Now, are you going to look me in the eye or even listen to this and truthfully say to me, or even to yourself, because I can't hear you, that Western Michigan is even remotely Western Michigan in the same class as Alabama or Clemson or Georgia or Michigan or the UTEP Miners. It's no, I mean, absolutely not. And even to their credit, Western Michigan, to their credit, their bowl game, they played in the Cotton Bowl that year against Wisconsin, gave them all they can handle, but they lost. And Wisconsin wasn't even the best, one of the best teams in the country that year. So are we going to put Western Michigan, UCF, Memphis, Lane Kiffin, Florida Atlantic in the playoff to get thumped by Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, all the Ohio State, all the big dogs who are going to have the top seeds anyway. Are we going to put them in there? And who's going to watch that? No one wants to watch Clemson and UCF in the Idaho Potato Bowl. It wouldn't be the Potato Bowl. That's an exaggeration. But no one wants to watch that. Nobody. And don't tell me that it's increased TV ratings because we're getting in more schools. Nobody wants this. Nobody outside of Disney World wants UCF in the playoff realistic everyone says they want them in because it's for the memes people are like making jokes but no one seriously wants to see this nobody seriously believes UCF has has a chance of winning the national championship actually not not hanging your own banner up because you beat a team that beat a team that beat the team which is what UCF did um no one wants to see them in there that'd be an awful game it'd be terrible no one would actually no one would watch it And no one would believe that UCF has a chance to beat Clemson. Absolutely no one. And UCF, to their credit, let's be fair, is undefeated again this year. Is it going to happen that every single season, the group of five champion is going to be undefeated or have at least one loss? And even though losses that UCF almost suffered, you're talking about USF, South Florida, and Memphis? So you're telling me UCF's resume is even on the same level as Michigan who lost to Ohio State or even Purdue Purdue would smoke all three of those teams UCF Memphis and USF I mean even the Purdue 30 or the 28 point loss or whatever is better than a loss to USF so I mean and not even every year is is the group of five team whether it's UCF or whoever UCF is just the popular name uh, right now it could be anyone in the group of five like I said that's the conference USA that's the American 
I don't know the other group of five. Uh, I think it's the Mountain West. I'm getting pretty close here, actually. Uh, the WAC. Did I already say the Conference USA? So there's your group of five right there. I actually did it. Well, I'm proud of myself. I know the group of five conferences. But anyway, do any of those, are any of those teams, let's say if they have two losses or three losses, we're going to force them in there because we have to include a group of five school? Three, absolutely ridiculous. And even if there are years where, let's say we implement this rule, this is what you're going to create. A group of five school has to be in the playoff no matter what. Let's say it's a three-loss group of five school and they're the best group of five school in the country. We're going to put them in over a two-loss Michigan who, who doesn't get in because of the outlaw. It's, it's bogus. I mean, there's no reason why a group of five schools should even be in, in consideration uh, for the playoff, even in eight teams. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then here's my another thing in going to the power five now. They're not, I mean, I'm beating up on the group of five in UCF right now. The power five is not safe. Because not every year are conference champions one of the four or eight best teams in the nation. In this case, Washington. Washington is awful. I mean, in the worst Power 5 conference in the country, the Pac-12, Washington's not even that good. I mean, they're, they're really not in the North. Well, but the, the whole conference, the North and the South, they're all bad. I mean, they're, they're bad. Uh, Oregon was a disappointment. Stanford really let me down. And then Washington, they, were, they lost to Auburn, who got pummeled by Alabama. And oh, by the way, in this playoff format, Washington would play Alabama in the first round. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is the dumbest thing. Now, I'm not entirely against expanding who I am, I guess. Um, what I mean by that is I'm not a traditionalist. I'm not, well, it's, it started with four teams. It needs to be four teams then forever. Like, no, not necessarily. But for the reasons people are saying, well, UCF got snubbed, Ohio State got snubbed. Did they? I mean, Ohio State got blown out by Purdue. And, I mean, I still feel that they should have been in there. Yes, I'm one of the people who actually be defending Ohio State. But I don't think it's egregious because both of them are going to lose to Alabama anyway. And you're going to see, you're going to find out uh, come New Year's Day what's going to happen to Kyler Murray against uh, Alabama. But not every year are the Power 5 conference champions even that good. Like, uh, a few years ago, the Big 12 was the worst. I mean, I think Oklahoma won it, and everyone, they were arguing for, should Oklahoma get in because they were the uh, conference champion? But the Big 12 was awful. I mean, this was uh, like the, the tail end of Charlie Strong, uh, but not even Lincoln Riley era. It was The Big 12 was awful. Are we going to put in one of those teams? For this year specifically is what people are looking at, but they're not thinking about the future um, as far as like conference champions who aren't, as strong as other conference champions or even at large, like wild card teams. And then the group of five schools are, are awful. No one would want to watch those. Who's going to travel to those games? I don't even see Clemson alumni or Clemson fans traveling all the way for South Carolina, the Rose Bowl, if that's where it was held. And you'd have to hold it all over the country because now you have four quarterfinal games yeah four quarterfinal games then semifinal games and a national championship so you'd have teams going all over the country are Clemson fans really going to travel to the Rose Bowl to watch them play UCF no absolutely not who's going to pay to watch those games it's a terrible idea some people are suggesting six which I think is even worse than eight if you're going to expand it just go to eight you're going to frustrate me but no one I never get what I want anyway just go to eight. Don't go to six. And the reason I don't like six is because you have to give the one and the two seed a buy. And that's just, I don't like that at all. I think the NFL should fix that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Because the playoff was built on the premise that anyone can beat anyone. 
Anyone can cook. That was, the, that was the premise that the playoff was built on. And it proved that in the sense, in the very first playoff, Ohio State was the fourth seed and they won the whole thing. So I like that, that any given team can win uh, in the college football playoff. And you put it, if you put in a bye week, you're giving teams an extra week of rest, a game that they don't have to play. You know, I don't, I don't like that uh, one bit. If you're going to expand, go to eight, but don't. I mean, they need to stay at a four-team playoff because it's not, there's nothing inherently wrong with the playoff. It's not like this is a, a horrible, like it needs to be fixed. It's cliche because it's true. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The playoff is fine. I mean, yes, I agree 100%. Teams every single year get left out. Every year there's a team or two that get left out and you're just you're ripping your hair out. You can't believe. You're screaming at the TV on Selection Sunday. How does this team not get in over that team? How does that team get in? But that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes college football and college sports. So I hate to say it, but magical. It really does because if you add eight teams, you're diminishing the regular season. I mean, hilariously, it's not even... The regular season is almost essentially playoff games because if you lose one, you're in trouble. If you lose two, you're finished. It's almost like you're playing in the playoffs year-round. I mean, so if you add eight teams, you diminish the regular season. It's not as exciting um, to get into the top 10 and then and uh, squeak your way into the the 18 playoff. It's not broken. Is it perfect? No, because, I mean... Yes, teams get out, but that's, sorry, not everyone, this goes back to, now I'm just turning into a grumpy old man, participation trophies, why does every team have to get in, if you didn't get in, if you're sick and tired of seeing Alabama and Clemson and SEC schools, which didn't even happen this year because Georgia didn't get in, uh, and they shouldn't have, then here's, how about this, how about you beat them, how about you beat Alabama and Clemson and you don't lose to uh, your weaker teams in your conference. If you don't play Alabama and Clemson, obviously you're not in the same conference as them. How about you just beat everyone else and when you play them in the semifinal, you beat them too. I don't understand why we have to cater to other schools like UCF, Memphis, I mean, Western Michigan. Keep it at four, please. Okay, so <laughs> I had uh, some MLB hot stove stuff going on here. But my NFL kind of ran long today. That's on me. I went like almost half an hour on the NFL picks. And then I had to get that college football playoff thing off my chest. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and skip uh, the MLB stuff. Get some headlines for you, I guess. Uh, Joe Kelly signed to the Dodgers. That's probably the first, I guess, quote-unquote, big fish uh, in the free agency market to have signed. But the real big dogs, uh, Adam Adovito. <laughs> yeah, you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are the two big headline names. They still, like I said, have yet to have signed. Actually, let me check. Nope, they still haven't signed. I was just checking my notifications. They have not signed. So at the time of this recording, they still have, they haven't signed. I mean, it could be like tomorrow, Friday, or even this weekend they could sign. But as of right now, they haven't gone anywhere. Um, Ken Rosenthal reported they're probably not going to sign by the end of the winter meetings. And I I get that. The winter meetings are like towards the beginning of free agency. I mean, they could really uh, wait a little bit longer. I personally believe the Dodgers are going to, uh, they lost two World Series in a row. They've gone backwards. I mean, against the Astros, they went to seven. Against the Red Sox, they only made it to five. So obviously you need to get better. I think the Dodgers are going to trade uh, Puig and potentially even Bellinger uh, to the Indians for Corey Kluber. So if you're keeping a track of that, they have one spot left in the outfield. <laughs> I do think they're going to bring in Bryce Harper, especially uh, the Phillies signing Andrew McCutcheon. They're not out of the Harper sweepstakes, but uh, Harper, he's not a first baseman. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's playing the NL now, so you can't DH either of them. 
they're pretty much towards the back. The Yankees said they're out. I don't believe them. I think they're still very much in on Bryce Harper. But I do think the Dodgers being the West Coast team close to Las Vegas, his hometown, the money to spend, and being World Series contenders, uh, I think I think they have to be the front runner to sign Bryce Harper. Manny Machado, I think Bryce Harper, he wants to get paid, obviously, but I do think he's looking at cities. He's looking at... Um, Winning teams. I mean, he's looking at a combination of a bunch of things. Manny Machado is just looking. Who's gonna? He's. It's a bidding war for Manny Machado uh, in his eyes. Whoever is gonna pay him the most, that's who's gonna sign with. Uh, that right now would be the Chicago White Sox, which I don't think is a great career move for him. I mean, he's gonna make a ton of money, but the Chicago White Sox are nothing to be concerned with if you're in the AO. I don't think the Yankees are are shaking if they lose Machado to the White Sox and Yohan Moncada. So uh, it'll probably be the White Sox. Um, the Yankees, I don't think, are... They're going to go after him, but they're not going to be able to offer him the most money being with uh, having uh, Giancarlo Stanton's a ridiculous contract. So I think he'll probably end up with the White Sox because he's, he's just looking for the most money. I mean, the period. He might even go to the Padres, who have a lot of money to spend. Uh, Machado will probably go to uh, the worst team or a worse team than Bryce Harper. I think he'll go to the Dodgers, who will add Corey Kluber and Bryce Harper and Joe Kelly, uh, Fight Club Joe Kelly, and uh, Machado will go to the White Sox. So there's your uh, MLB hot stove in three minutes. Uh, so we're moving to the quote of the week. I wish I could have expanded a little bit more on the MLB. Uh, it's my fault. I went a little bit over. Uh, I got a little bit... Uh, how, what's the word, man? I got I got too infatuated with Patrick Mahomes, man. I really It happens, you know, he's Patrick Mahomes... He's the best, and I'm doing it again. So let's go ahead and move on. Quote of the week. Uh, someone who I just recently mentioned. Quote, I would strike out Babe Ruth every time. Adam Ottavino, who is a free agent uh, in the MLB right now. He's a, probably the best reliever on the market right now. He's 33, played with the Rockies last year. On a podcast, and hey, Adam, if you're ever listening, you are more than welcome uh, on Crowd Noise. So, uh He's never coming, but just so he knows, he's, he's welcome on the show. He said that if he were to face Babe Ruth with his 42-ounce bat and his 300-pound belly, he would strike him out every single time he faced him. And a lot of people were, like, offended by this. Like, people were just, I mean, disgusted by these remarks. They weren't as disgusted as Stephen Curry's fake moon landing. I don't think that was a big deal. That was on CNN. Uh, Adam Adovino was just on ESPN. And people were really upset with him. Is he wrong? Maybe I'm just a millennial. But as far as I'm concerned, Babe Ruth played in the 1920s. And I'm looking at my calendar right here. You may have the same one at home. We're going towards the 2020s. Babe Ruth played nearly 100 years ago where he had never even... A 100-mile-an-hour fastball was unheard of. That was, that, was, that was like a 150-mile-an-hour fastball today. And who knows? Maybe our grandchildren will see. They'll have pitchers throwing 150. I don't know. I, have no, I don't know, probably not, but see what I'm saying, probably not, because that sounds ridiculous, but in the 1920s, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball sounded ridiculous. Adam Adovino throws a 97-mile-an-hour cutter, 98-mile-an-hour, not, not, maybe not 98, but upper 90s fastball, Then he's got this ridiculous slider. It doesn't matter, righty, lefty, Babe Ruth is a lefty, uh, Adam Adovino is a righty. It doesn't matter who, that thing just disappears. It's, it's more of a slurve, really, than a, a traditional slider. It has a huge bend. Babe Ruth would not even belong in the, in the batter's box with Adam. And Adam Montevino, think about this. He's not even the best reliever in the MLB. You're looking at closers. I mean, maybe the best closer is Kenley Jansen. And you're talking about Edwin Diaz. 
and maybe those two are swapped actually, then the best uh, bullpen arms, uh, you're talking about uh, Josh Hader, um, and then Adam, Adam Adovino is up there. I don't know if he's one of the best. Andrew Miller, he kind of had a really down year, um, so I don't know if I put him in the upper echelon, but he's uh, really good as well. The Brewers, are getting, they have like three of those guys. Like Corey Knebel, there's a bunch. He, Adam Adovino's not even the best reliever, and I don't think Babe Ruth would foul a ball off. I really, really don't. I honestly believe Adam Adovino, when he says Babe Ruth is, is nothing to Adam Adovino, and I think a lot of pitchers uh, feel that way, now, what people were saying, I feel like a lot of pitchers agree with Adam Adovino that the Bambino, the Colossus of Clout, that's a great nickname, though. Uh, that's a great nickname. I feel like a lot of pitchers believe that he doesn't even you know, belong in the MLB today. Now, what people, the argument that people were making is, would, Babe, would it be Babe Ruth 1920s and you drop him into 2018 slash 2019? Or would you put Adam Adovino uh, in the 1920s. Now that would be even worse because the MLB had to lower the mound. So Adam Adovino is going to have a raised mound. That's that's even worse. So I think you'd put uh, Babe Ruth in today's games. And what people were saying, okay, is it Babe Ruth from 1920 directly into uh, 2018 against Adam Adovino? Meaning, would he have the same uh, resources like, like the internet? I don't know how that would help, but it would help. It helps athletes. Would he have a dietitian? Would he have a diet? What does that matter? I mean, what does that matter? Babe Ruth it was six two two. Uh, man, what the heck was six two? Is it two sixty two seventy? Not it, not incredibly big. Aaron Judge is a freak of nature. I'm six seven two seventy lean. I mean, no contest. There's no contest. Babe Ruth does not belong on the same field as Adam Adovino. Feel free to attack me. I don't care. I I'm a millennial. I'm nineteen years old. I don't care. Adam Adovino would embarrass Babe Ruth. It doesn't matter if he has dietitians or if he ate a celery stick. He doesn't. I'm taking Adam Adovino. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for all the hate comments. I don't care what anyone says. I'm ready. Because I firmly believe that millenn- we're going to save the world, boomers. Millennials are the future. <laughs> now I'm just getting into something else. So that's your quote of the week. Uh, as controversial as it may be, I feel like Babe Ruth would strike out it. Now that that's 1920s. I'm not talking because again, this is a it was a bunch of old heads on ESPN. Well, what about Hank Aaron? Well, Hank Aaron played in the 70s. That's a different era. I mean, Hank Aaron was I mean, hammering Hank. Yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I think he would be he wouldn't be as good, but he wouldn't be an, an embarrassment like Babe Ruth. I think he'd be okay. Hank Aaron, uh, Barry Bonds would definitely be great. I mean, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Barry Bonds played in the 2000s. So that's I mean. 10, 15 years ago. I mean, that's not that long ago. Pitchers, I think, would dominate today. Are you kidding me? I think a lot of pitchers, like if you brought in Sandy Koufax with a shift, good Lord, that would be, oh my goodness, that would be ridiculous. If you brought in Sandy Koufax, a left-hander with a shift against righties, oh, man, forget it. Forget about it. I think a lot of Bob Gibson, he was a huge fastball sinker. Um, I think pitchers more so. But even then, would they... I was going to say that the mound lowering, but I don't think that's a big deal. I think Sandy Koufax would, would dominate uh, today. He'd be, he'd be ridiculous, man. That'd be unbelievable. But Babe Ruth, you're talking about over, like we're coming up on 100 years ago that he played. No, he's, he's, he's not. I don't even think he could like hit a ball over. Like if he, if he took BP, like would, be, would he be able to hit a home run? Like let's say in, Miami, like in the Marlins Park. Like they have a huge park. Probably. I mean, well, he's, I mean, I was going to say he's strong, but he's not. He's just fat. Like, Babe Ruth is just a fat, like, tub of lard. Like, Adam, like, he's not even 
a good, he's probably like less of an athlete than Bartolo Colon. And I honestly mean that. Bartolo Colon is huge, but like he can move. Babe Ruth is like fat for like 1920 standards. Like, ah, oh man, I don't know. I, I'm taking Adam Adovino. This is going into like a crazy like wormhole, but I truly believe. Okay, so how about, like I said, Adam Adovino isn't even one of the better relievers. What's Babe Ruth going to do against Josh Hader, who throws a 98 mile an hour rising fastball from the left side? No, man. No, I don't, I don't believe Babe Ruth could <clears throat> dominate or even, or even be good uh, in today's MLB. Look at Mike Trout, the best player. He's like 6'4. 240, 250. I mean, he's lean. He's an athlete. Babe Ruth can't even. He's he's sweating going to first base. I mean, if you if you walk him, you've essentially taken him out of the game because he's gonna tire himself out. He's a he's zero on base threat. I mean, no, no. Uh, I'll take Adam Adovino. Take that with a grain of salt. Take that, boomers, millennials, all the way. That is your card of the week. This has been the Crowd Noise Podcast. You can listen on. Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, on anchor.fm. It's .com. It's .fm. Uh, please share with your friends. Like and share. Subscribe. Whatever you got to do. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week.